Well, good morning, and uh, once again, Happy New Year to you and your family. I want to start this morning's sermon with a little breathing exercise, and I wonder if you'll humor me for a moment. Just close your eyes wherever you are, and just follow my words. Relax and breathe in, hold it. Breathe in again, hold it, don't breathe out. Breathe in again. Can you fit a bit more in? Breathe in again. Okay, you can let it out. If you're anything like me, you've found that a little hard after about the second or third breath. Let's do another one. Close your eyes again. This time, breathe out. Hold it, breathe out. Breathe out again. Can you do it again? Okay. I did ask you to humor me and you are allowed to breathe normally again. It is pretty hard to breathe in only one direction, isn't it? Breathing in and breathing out, it's something that we do without even really thinking about it. It's something that gives us life. And when we can't do it, or when we force ourselves to do something a little bit different, it doesn't quite work out. Well, good morning, my name's Darren, and uh, we've been working on a bit of a series um, as the first uh, three services in January, thinking about 2024. Last week, I introduced you to uh, this verse from Ephesians, which asked us to look carefully at how we walk, to consider, to give thought to how we walk, and not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of our time. Uh, very often at this time of year, we make uh, resolutions or set ourselves goals in our work or our finances or and maybe our family, maybe some travel goals. And what I put forward last week is that I think it can be really useful to consider and give thought to uh, setting your direction, setting your intentions for your year ahead with your spirituality as well, because it's so easy to just drift through life and do what you've always done before, or um, just slip into the patterns of what everyone around you is doing. And so to set into 2024 with some intentions that um, will take us towards a deeper spirituality is something that I think is really worthwhile. And to help us frame that, I came up with these three journeys. And I, I forgot to mention last week that these three journeys actually came from some research I did uh, a, a couple of decades ago now when I was involved in planting a church. And I was researching another church called the Church of the Saviour in Washington, D.C. And they came up with these three journeys and uh, we adopted them as our church plants core values or the core journeys that we wanted to go on as a church. But ever since then, even though I'm not involved with that uh, church plant anymore, they've become, I guess, part of my own DNA in the way that I think about my spirituality and the health of my spirituality as well. 
Last week, we looked at the inner journey, um, taking seriously uh, that command that Jesus gave to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, a, a personal connection that you have with, with God. And uh, I put forward some suggestions on some practical things that you might want to try in 2024 that will deepen that relationship, that will help you on that journey. Today we want to look at the outer journey, and the outer journey is uh, taking a step um, away from just having a personal relationship with God, uh, which is vitally important, but broadening that to, to look at the world we live in and how we actually engage with that world and the people that are around us. And next week, we'll look at the Together journey, which is about us as a, a people of faith uh, interacting together and um, uh, doing faith a journey together. Um, but today I want to look at this outer journey and we're going to go back to those verses we started off with last week um, when the expert in the law, the teacher in the law, the Pharisee came to Jesus and asked him, what is the greatest commandment? This is in Matthew 22. And last week we looked at the first part of this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is that inner journey we talked about last week. But then he said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That little linking phrase, and the second is like it. If you look at that in the Greek, you actually see it's not just the second one is like or it mimics the first one or it resembles the first one. It actually means that it is linked to in many ways. It is, you can't have one without the other. It's like inhaling without exhaling. Breathing is both of those things. And, and really what Jesus is saying here is that these two things are so intimately woven in together that you really can't have one without the other. If you're going to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul and mind, you need to also consider how you love your neighbor. This story of Jesus and this, um, this teacher in the law is told a couple of times in scripture. It's also told in Luke. And in Luke, um, the teacher of the law follows up and asks the question, who is my neighbor? It doesn't happen in Matthew, but in Luke, he asks, who is my neighbor? And Jesus uh, responds to that question with a parable, perhaps the most famous parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it's a scandalous story. It's a story that um, perhaps is a little lost on us today, but Samaritans were seen by Jews as um, other. They were a different race. They were a different ethnicity, a different um, uh, religion in, in many regards, even though they had some similar roots um, uh, back in their history. Uh, not only that, they were seen as an enemy. And so for Jesus to say that a Samaritan is an example of a good neighbor is actually a, quite a, a scandalous thing. And really, Jesus is broadening the idea of what a neighbor is uh, to that teacher of the law. The teacher of the law would have um, known the rabbinical law of the time and the neighbor 
in the rabbinical law was someone who is also Jewish and someone who is an observant Jew. So someone who is practicing and, and um, trying to follow the law. Um, so that's quite a uh, narrow definition of the neighbor, um, an easier way to love someone who is just like you, someone who is trying to achieve the same things that you are. But Jesus really broadens out who a neighbor is to anyone and not, not just anyone, but um, even those who are your mortal enemies, uh, those who are unlike you from a different place, a different ethnicity, um, a different religious background. Jesus is saying they are your neighbor. And uh, it's no surprise that he does this because Jesus lived um, his life in a way where he did have this broader definition of who he loved. And uh, we see that in there's so many different interactions that he have with people. We could spend hours looking at them all. Um, one that comes to mind is the Samaritan woman uh, who he meets by a well in John chapter four. Um, he crosses the boundaries of gender. He probably shouldn't have been talking to a woman uh, alone at that time, um, let alone a Samaritan woman. Uh, we see it in the way that he calls Matthew a tax collector in Matthew chapter nine. Uh, tax collectors being another group of people that the Jews hated because they were traitors. They'd been uh, trying to get money for the Roman Empire. Uh, they were hated, yet Jesus calls Matthew uh, not just to a one-off interaction with him, he calls him to become one of his disciples, one of the closest friends that he has, um, someone that we see him eating with. Um, this is, again, a scandalous thing. Jesus broadening the definition of who his neighbor is, who he's willing to love. We see it in the way that he stands up for the woman caught in adultery. Again, crossing boundaries that he shouldn't have crossed in, in gender, but also uh, standing up for someone who has sinned. Um, in John chapter uh, 7, uh, standing up for an injustice. Uh, we see it in the way that he um, allows a sinful woman in Luke 7. We don't know what the sin is, but we can perhaps presume what it might have been. Uh, we see him allowing this woman to come to him, to kneel at his feet, to pour perfume on his feet, to uh, wipe his feet with her hair and her tears to wash his feet. Again, a scandalous kind of image of the time. Uh, he's broadening the idea of who his neighbor is to include uh, a woman, a sinful woman. Um, we see it the multiple um, times that we see him touching people who probably shouldn't have been touched, healing people who really weren't worthy of the time that uh, he might give to them, uh, allowing people like children to come to him. He constantly is broadening and pushing out the boundaries of who is in and who is out, who is a neighbor and who isn't a neighbor to include everyone he meets. Um, and he does this in, um, in some really confronting ways, particularly through the lens of uh, the Jewish people at the time. He crosses boundaries of gender, of class, of religion. He breaks conventions and rules. He, um, he um, touches the untouchable. He stands up for injustices. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. He calls people to follow him and eat with him. Um, he he just constantly is pushing the boundaries. And then he sends out his disciples to do the same thing. We see in Luke chapter nine, he sends out his 12 disciples uh, to do what, he's, what 
they've seen him do. Then the next chapter in Luke chapter 10, we see him sending out 72 of his followers to do what they've seen him do. Um, So there's this pattern there right from the early stages of his ministry that he doesn't want to just do it himself. He wants to send out those who follow him to do likewise. And then at the end of his ministry, we see him um, say these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. And then in uh, the first chapter of Acts, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. His final words to his disciples were, you're going to keep crossing boundaries, geographical boundaries, but also other boundaries that you've seen me cross as well. And we see this uh, in the early church where the disciples and the early church begin to um, live out the patterns that they'd seen in Jesus Um, in the way that he treated other people. And throughout history, really, uh, the early church, the early centuries, the church crossed boundaries uh, quite regularly um, uh, and and did scandalous, um, confronting things for the rest of their society and the way that they cared for people, setting up hospitals, the way they cared for orphans and widows um, and and really um, did profound things that were countercultural. And so as we kind of look back at this rich history that the church has, look at the patterns in Jesus' own life, we are asking the question of ourselves at the moment, how do we want to deepen our love for our neighbour in 2024? How are we actually going to do something perhaps a little bit different this year to set a course uh, to deepen this outer journey in 2024? Um, if you've heard me speak before, you've probably heard me talk on these themes. It seems to almost every time I get asked to talk, I get asked to talk on mission or justice or these types of things. Um, and so uh, you could probably dig back in the podcasts and, and find some um, other things that I've said on this topic. One that comes to mind is a talk I gave in 2018. I think it was August. If you look back on the podcast um, on Apple uh, podcast, you'll find a, a podcast they're called Chasing Chariots. And I talked in this um, talk um, four or five years ago now, so much seems to have happened since then, uh, but five years ago now, I talked about Philip and the Ethiopian. And I pulled out of that interaction four things that all began with the letter P um, that I saw in Philip's interaction with the Ethiopian. And uh, as I've been preparing this sermon, it kind of struck me that maybe it's worth revising those four things really quickly. The first P is powerlessness. Um, Philip and the Ethiopian um, uh, is an interesting story to do some analysis on and to ask yourself the question, who had the power in this interaction? And uh, the point I made was that really God had the power in this interaction. Philip uh, is often seen as an evangelist, but really God was doing evangelism in this interaction encounter. God was already at work in the life of the Ethiopian. He'd already been to Jerusalem to worship God. Uh, He was reading scripture when um, 
Philip um, came across him. God told Philip where to go, where to stand, what road to walk down. God had the power and the Ethiopian did too. Um, the Ethiopian invites Philip into his chariot. The Ethiopian suggests he should get baptized. Um, uh, Philip was really gentle in the way that he did evangelism with this Ethiopian. Uh, God and the Ethiopian seemed to be the ones calling the shots. The second P was proximity. God told Philip to go and walk down a road. And then when he got to that road to go and walk alongside a chariot. He didn't say go convert that Ethiopian. He said go walk beside his chariot. And Philip uh, walked so close to that chariot, he could hear what was happening inside the chariot. He could hear that God was already at work in that chariot. He could hear the search that this Ethiopian was on. And uh, as, as a result of that proximity, he was able to move into the next step, which is presence. Uh, he was able to ask the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? And uh, the Ethiopian invites him into the chariot and uh, they engage in a deeper conversation, which then led him to the fourth P, which was proclamation. Out of proximity, out of presence and relationship, he was then enabled, he was invited by the Ethiopian to proclaim, to share the gospel message. Um, these four Ps perhaps could give us some hints about what our 2024 might look like. We'll all be at different stages in those four Ps, um, but I thought maybe it's just worth really briefly looking at some practical things that we might do that might take us a little further in our journey based on these four Ps. The first one, powerlessness. Um, I use that word because it was started with P. Um, maybe discernment might be another word that we might take into 2024. I think it's really interesting that God was already at work in the life of that Ethiopian before, Peter, uh, before Philip or any other Christian showed up. And I wonder what would happen if we spent some time in the start of this year just asking ourselves the question as we prayed, where are you already at work, God? Where are you already at work around me? Where are you already at work in the relationships that I have in the places that I go, in my workplace or my school? Where are you already at work in my family? Where are you already at work in the sporting clubs, in the shopping centres where I am? When we enter into 2024 open to spotting where God's already at work, we might be surprised at what he's already doing. We don't have to be the ones that do evangelism. God does evangelism. We worship a God who is a missionary God, who is a God of justice, who is drawing all creation to himself. Our role is to spot where he's at work and to join him in that work. So let's ask ourselves the question, what road do you want me to walk along, God? What chariot do you want me to walk alongside? Um, what people maybe is God prompting, even as you're listening to this sermon, maybe God's putting someone on your heart that you need to develop a deeper proximity with this year. Um, maybe it's a people group. Um, maybe it's a, a sporting club. Maybe it's a, a hobby group. Maybe it's a type of person. Maybe it's mums who uh, have babies for the first time or older people who are entering into their retirement. Um, maybe there's a group of people that your heart sort of just breaks a little for or that you feel drawn to in some way. 
um, I think spending some time, even right now in this video, you might want to pause it and just to spend a little bit of time asking God, where are you already at work? What road are you drawing me to? Is a, a really worthwhile question to ponder. The second area is proximity, and really this comes as a result of that discernment process. You might have already discerned this, and I guess then the question is to do something with it. Um, and I've been really challenged on this over the last 12 months. Um, I noticed um, my heart being sort of softened a little bit um, during the referendum last year. Um, uh, lots of issues were talked about, and um, I felt really my heart being softened for our Indigenous brothers and sisters. And I didn't really know what to do with that initially, apart from making a vote, um, which I did. Um, but I was really challenged after I made that vote that whether the referendum was passed or not, that I could probably still make some actions that brought about some of the changes that I wanted to see. And I wasn't quite sure what to do with that. And I was wrestling with it a little bit. And then our Mission Partnership Sunday a couple of months ago now happened. And I was just drawn to this one table um, run by Indigenous Ministries Australia and just had a really interesting conversation with a couple of the guys there. They run Songlines tours around Melbourne. And I think Carly's um, going to be um, inviting us to participate in these in the next little while. And uh, simply just going on one of these Songline tours, which will be led by an Indigenous leader, telling some of their story and telling some of the story of an area, I think it's just a very simple way, a tangible way that you can actually develop some proximity. Learning about an injustice, learning about a person or a people group is something that you can do that can begin to take you further um, out of just having a soft heart um, and closer to having proximity with people. Maybe God is drawing you to learn about uh, an injustice or a, a group of people, or maybe he's drawing you to uh, walk alongside a, a particular person, um, simply inviting someone from work to your house for dinner, having a coffee with someone from your local sporting club that you've noticed um, and feel drawn to. Maybe it's volunteering your time. We have so many different programs that we're involved with here at One and also so that we support. Um, we always talk about um, Blackburn Primary School. There's a number of opportunities there to develop proximity with kids. Um, Kid Hope, uh, which is the mentoring program. There's a breakfast club. There's a hobby club. Very simple ways that you can develop proximity with a child in Blackburn Primary School and, and staff there as well. Maybe it's um, a mainly music, another ministry that we do at one um, where we minister to um, parents and grandparents with toddlers through music. Maybe it's prison network ministries um, who have a variety of opportunities for volunteers to go into those prisons and support women in that place. Maybe it's volunteering for Alpha, um, which will run again this year at one. Maybe it's volunteering some time for the food pantry. 
or maybe it's about volunteering time in a non-church group. Um, one of the things that I've been doing over the last couple of years is volunteering my photography skills to take photos of my boys' teams play football. It's a simple thing, I would have been doing it anyway, um, but by sharing those photos with the rest of the team, it's just helped me to get to know people on a deeper level that I wouldn't have known otherwise. It's not me handing out tracts or anything, it's just me doing something that I feel I can do to add to that community. And who knows what opportunities that may actually lead to. So where is God asking you to have more proximity with people? Quite often as Christians, it can be really easy to spend our lives in a little Christian bubble, to only have Christian friends, to only do Christian activities, to only read Christian books or listen to Christian podcasts. But I think God sometimes is wanting us to break out of those bubbles a little to develop um, proximity with others. Maybe presence is the area that God's prompting you to go further in this year. Again, this flows generally out of having proximity um, but taking things to the next level, maybe initiating a deeper conversation with a friend that you've been traveling alongside. Maybe it's writing a letter to a woman in prison or a new mum who's just had a baby through, um, and, and you might have become aware of through the Babes Project. Maybe it's um, by getting to know the family of a kid that you've been engaging with at um, a BPS. Um, whatever it might be, the proximity is the first step. And in time, God will prompt you um, to take things to the next level. Sometimes this can be a bit scary. Sometimes it's about being vulnerable and sharing a little bit more of yourself that can take things to the next level. Um, but God really will um, honor those times where you are willing to, to take things deeper. Or maybe it's God is asking you to do a bit more proclamation. Um, out of those relationships that you've been developing, maybe it's time to share some of your story of faith with someone um, or sharing the gospel message. Uh, maybe it's about um, uh, speaking truth to an injustice. Uh, maybe it's time to write a letter to a politician about an issue that you felt is on your heart. Or maybe it's about getting involved with an advocacy group in some way. Uh, perhaps it's volunteering for Alpha, um, which will bring opportunities to share a little bit more of your faith and the gospel message. Or maybe it's time to take one of the short-term mission trips that um, our church runs every year to the Philippines or Cambodia or Indonesia. There's all kinds of ways where we can proclaim. It doesn't just um, uh, come down to knocking on doors and um, witnessing to people in that way or handing out tracts on the street. Generally, it comes out of the presence that we've already developed with someone. And I'm sure the ministry team could give you some other ideas on these. The last practical kind of area that I want to suggest that might be um, something that God is putting on your heart is to be more generous in 2024. Um, our generosity is something that's spoken th throughout the New Testament um, and Old Testament about as, as well. 
Um, maybe God wants you to be more generous with your money um, or your resources in some way, some way. Um, giving to a mission partner, um, whether that be through um, one care or, or another partner that you're aware of. Maybe it's about um, giving your time in terms of prayer for one of your mission, our mission partners. You could join the email list for Robin Jamison or the Honey Buns, for example, and support them in the mission that they're doing. Perhaps it's about sponsoring a child. Um, we work with Compassion in Indonesia where there's opportunities to do that. And maybe it's about donating some resources, perhaps to our food pantry um, or the multitude of other places that are around the, uh, our area where you can donate things. I know our schools collect food for um, um, families in need as well. Or maybe it's about making a gift for a new mum or a, uh, a woman who's in prison. Um, there's all kinds of ways that you can be generous with your time, with your money um, and with your um, focus as well. Okay, I've given you a whole heap of practical things there. Um, I want to encourage you to think about building a rhythm or in this area as well. Uh, last week we talked about rhythm quite a bit, so I won't go into too much detail about it, but it's really interesting when you look at the life of Jesus that he has this rhythm, um, and the rhythm is that he spends time with God in a quiet place, and then it seems he is propelled into mission. And it happens again and again, time with God, it seems like that's where he gets his energy, that's where he um, gets enlivened, and then he's propelled into mission constantly. And I wonder whether this is something that we can be a bit more intentional about in 2024 as well. Um, most of the books about spiritual disciplines seem to focus on the inner journey with prayer and reading scripture and that type of thing. But perhaps there are some rhythms that we can build into us thinking about how we love our neighbor as well. Um, one fun one might be every month you might have a barbecue. I think that's a brilliant spiritual discipline, barbecues. It's not in any of the books, believe me. But um, what about being intentional? Once a month, having another family from your workplace or school or community over to your house. Um, what an amazing way to develop a bit more proximity and presence with people. Um, do that every month for a year, and I reckon something quite amazing might happen as a result of it. Um, perhaps it's a rhythm of participating in um, some of the ministries that we do that are missional, um, whether that be mentoring a kid or um, being involved in a weekly um, breakfast program at, at the school. Or maybe it's about volunteering in the local footy club, for example. These things have rhythms to them, and they can help us to get into the rhythm of looking at our neighbor and loving your neighbor as well. Or maybe it's like last week I suggested use the reminders on your phone to actually remind yourself to pray for that person who's been on your mind or to send a text once a week uh, to someone to just sort of let them know that you're thinking of them. Um, as I said, Jesus has these rhythms and I think it's really is can be something that can help us to um, build these habits if you like. I want to finish things off now by um, just coming back to the great commissions that I read earlier. Um, we talked about the command to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But uh, there's also these commissions, these great commissions that Jesus gave. 
and I just want to draw our attentions to the fact that in both of these commissions, we're reminded that we're not doing mission, we're not loving our neighbor by ourselves. Jesus says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. He doesn't stop there, but says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, again, I think sometimes when it comes to thinking about mission, um, loving our neighbors, um, thinking about injustice and service, it can be really overwhelming. Um, it can be scary uh, because it means we're stepping out of our comfort zones. But it's great to be reminded the the fact that God is actually the one doing the mission. God is the one who's actually drawing all creation to himself. God is the one who has the missionary heart, has the heart for justice. We're called to join him in that. Uh, we're not called to save the world. That's God's job. Our job is to play our part in that. Um, and it really needs to come out of the inner journey, the, 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 the fact that we've inhaled, um, that we are able then to exhale. We inhale the gospel. The gospel, um, it, it needs to be ingested. We need to have that relationship with God. But the result of that, the byproduct that, of that is that we exhale the gospel, if you like. And in that, the Acts verse as well, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witness, but it comes as a result of inhaling. It comes as a result of the, that inner journey, that, that journey we go on with God's spirit. Uh, this is what we see in Jesus. He spends time with God, with the Father. The spirit comes upon him and he's propelled into mission. And the same is true for us. It's a, a, something that I think uh, we can hang on ha we can hang on to it as we move forward in this area. I wonder if you'll just pray with me for a moment. Lord God, I just thank you for the, the reminders today that you are a God who has a heart for, for others, that you, you, it's just who you are, that your heart is uh, for drawing all creation to you that you are a God of justice, a God of mission, a God of the other, that you in the life of Jesus constantly were broadening who should be loved and how should be loved. And we just pray that as we grapple with that and as we reflect upon you and the way you loved others, that you would just empower us to do likewise. You're a God who said, I'm the light of the world, and you also called us the light of the world. We just pray that you would help us to see where you are at work and how we can work with you in those places. Help us to develop rhythms of inhaling and exhaling the gospel. Help us to know you on a deeper level, but to also help you to be known in our world. Amen.